Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from Smitten Kitchen for Apple and Cheddar Crisp Salad. This is an apple and cheddar salad, I would humbly argue, an excellent one, the best I've ever made. But this recipe is also an excuse for me to share a few of the best tricks I keep up my sleeve. I always wanted to be a cook who said things like that when what you might actually find is a lost piece of popcorn. To make the kinds of complex salads I can never resist on a cafe menu at home as simply as possible. Because we deserve to have fancy, cool, crunchy, dynamic, and gorgeous salads at home, even if we do not live a life that allows us to afford fancy salads made by others on a regular basis. The first element follows a basic salad math equation of crispy cheese is greater than fresh cheese. Grated cheese melts in the oven into flakes of golden lacy cheese crisps that are easier to make and better than most croutons by a mile. I said what I said. The second element stems from my belief that a salad without a pickled element is a sad one. Soaked minced shallot or onion in the vinegar portion of your dressing until it lightly pickles while you make the rest of the salad is a most low effort way to make this happen. The final thing I absolutely love on a busy salad is some kind of candied, spicy, salty nut, but I find almost every recipe for them to be too much work or just too sticky. What I want is one that I could make a whole pan of, double the blow for a whole pan, and store extras at room temperature where they will stay crisp and not merge into one mega cluster to use as needed. On tomorrow's salad too, or a morning bowl of yogurt, or just snacks, oh, so many snacks. I found the coolest trick buried in a restaurant recipe for their famous kale salad. Rinsing, yes, rinsing nuts, and then tossing them with a little bit of powdered sugar, salt, and any spice you'd like, I'm using cayenne, bakes into crisp clusters. In the last year, I've used this innumerable times on almost every kind of nut and seed, and now it's your turn. Here's the recipe for apple and cheddar crisp salad. Serves two giant servings or four with a meal. Time, 30 minutes. Source, Smitten Kitchen. This will make almost double the crispy stuff you need for the salad, but I think you'll be glad for leftovers. An eight to 10 ounce bundle of curly or lacinato Tuscan dinosaur kale with the woody stems and rib removed will yield the five ounces of leaves used here. I usually cut the apple right before serving, just in case. It's prone to browning, but not all are. The crispy nuts are adapted from the ones on the kale salad at Beauty in Essex in the Lower East Side. For the dressing, you'll need one small shallot minced, three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, one half teaspoon of smooth Dijon mustard, one tablespoon of mayonnaise or Greek-style plain yogurt, 
six tablespoons of olive oil, salty and freshly ground black pepper. For the crispy stuff, you'll need one cup of sharp cheddar, coarsely grated, one cup of sliced almonds, two tablespoons of powdered sugar, and one quarter teaspoon of kosher salt, and one quarter teaspoon of ground cayenne. For the assembly, you're gonna need five ounces of kale leaves, any variety, cut into thin ribbons, and then one large crisp apple, halved, cored, and cut thin. You're gonna heat your oven to 400 degrees, start the dressing, and in a medium bowl, you're gonna combine the shallot and apple cider vinegar and set aside while you make the crispy stuff. Then you're gonna make the cheddar crisps and sugared almonds. You're gonna line a large half sheet size rimmed baking sheet with parchment paper. Scatter cheddar evenly over half the parchment and about a eight by 12 inch, one quarter inch thick rectangle. Sprinkle with a little cayenne or black pepper if you wish. And then in a colander, you're gonna rinse your almonds under cold water, yep, really, and shake off the excess liquid. In a bowl, toss the wet almonds with powdered sugar, salt, and one quarter teaspoon cayenne until evenly coated. Spread on the second half of the parchment covered baking sheet and a thin, even layer, leaving an inch around it so bare that it can spread. Bake the almonds and the cheddar together for four to nine minutes until the cheese is melted into a lacy, evenly deep golden brown crisp and the almonds are dark at the edges and lightly golden throughout. Please hear me on this. Watch it closely. Both the cheddar and the almonds will go from not yet golden to perfectly bronzed to burnt in what feels like a one minute period. Check it at four minutes and then every minute or two thereafter until the pan is just right. Remove and let cool while you finish the salad. Then you're gonna finish the dressing. To the shallots and vinegar in the bowl, whisk in Dijon, mayo, or yogurt, then drizzle in olive oil, whisking the whole time. Season the dressing with salt and lots of freshly ground black pepper. Assemble. In a large wide bowl or salad plate, you're gonna to toss your greens with two thirds the dressing to start and then tasting and adding the rest if you wish. Arrange the apple over the greens, fanning out the slices, and then break off clustered almonds from the baking sheet and scatter them over the salad. If the cheddar crisp seems very oily, you can blot it with a paper towel before tearing or cutting it into large bite-sized pieces and scattering them over the salad. Season the salad with additional salt and pepper and serve right away. To do ahead, the nuts can be stored in an airtight container at room temperature for a week, and the cheese crisps are best kept in the fridge, lightly covered. The dressing will keep for several days in the fridge, and washed and blotted dry kale keeps in a large zipped bag in the fridge for several days, provided you keep it out of the spots that are prone to freezing produce. Or maybe this is just my terrible fridge. Not sure, but enjoy. Next, we're gonna have a recipe for roasted Brussels sprouts from Real Simple Magazine. This is hands-on time, 15 minutes. Total time, 35 minutes. The yield is eight servings. A crispy Brussels sprout is good, 
but a crispy Brussels sprout with pancetta, that is heaven. Think of pancetta as bacon's thicker cousin. The cubes release delicious salty fat onto the pan, which gets soaked up by the sprouts as they roast. Usually you'd have to fry Brussels sprouts to get them adequately caramelized, but the pancetta not only infuses the vegetable with flavor, it adds crispness too. Crisp crispness. The result is a golden brown exterior and perfectly tender interior. A generous dusting of zest after roasting balances out the richness, ensuring this recipe will be a go-to side dish for years. Shopping tip. Look for pre-diced pancetta, which will save you prep time. Ingredients. Two pounds of Brussels sprouts, six tablespoons of olive oil, four ounces of pancetta cut into one quarter inch cubes, two teaspoons of kosher salt, one quarter teaspoon of freshly ground black pepper, one teaspoon of lemon zest from one lemon. For the directions, first you're gonna preheat the oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit with racks in the upper and lower thirds of your oven. Trim the Brussels sprouts and have lengthwise pulling off and reserving any loose outer leaves. Transfer the Brussels sprouts and leaves to a large bowl. Next step, you're going to place two rimmed baking sheets in a preheated oven on upper and lower racks and let heat until hot about five minutes. Meanwhile, add oil, pancetta, salt, and pepper to Brussels sprouts in a bowl and toss to coat. For step three, you're gonna place the hot baking sheets on a heat-proof surface and divide the Brussels sprouts mixture, including the oil, evenly between them, carefully placing as many Brussels sprouts cut sides down as possible. Return the baking sheets to the oven and roast for 10 minutes. Rotate baking sheets from top to bottom and continue roasting until Brussels sprouts are deeply browned and leaves are browned and crispy about six to eight minutes. Next step, you're going to remove the Brussels sprouts from the oven and sprinkle evenly with lemon zest and serve immediately. To make a head, you're going to let the roasted Brussels sprouts stand undisturbed on baking sheets for up to two hours and then reheat at 350 degrees Fahrenheit until crispy, about five to seven minutes, and then garnish with lemon zest. Chef's Notes. Cook the cut sides down on already hot baking sheets for the best browning. Good tip. Uh, next, we're gonna have a recipe for a cranberry orange breakfast buns. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of uh, pastry lately and this looks like a lot of things that I've had, really yummy. When my husband had a bit of mm, bonus awesome free time on his hands this summer, he got into the curious habit of running while not being chased, which led to him take him to part of his first 5K a few weeks ago. To celebrate, we had people over for a little New York brunch, that is, bagels and locks. No, not homemade, not when they're this good, back at our apartment, and still trying to dig out from under our overzealous apple picking. I made apple cinnamon buns. I didn't think they were a big deal. I mean, they were good. Just your standard cinnamon bun with two apples, diced small and then scattered over the filling. But it turns out you cannot casually mention, <laughs> it says casually, not casually, 
casually mention homemade apple cinnamon buns on the internet without causing a recipe please ruckus I should know this so I really had the full intentions of sharing the recipe though technically I just did but you see the only thing more worrisome than having more apples than one can fit in their apartment is the day the apples run out and that happened before I had a chance and as they did, October became November, and I started getting Thanksgiving on the brain, which basically led me to bringing absurd, barely haulable hauls of various winter squash, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, potatoes, and baskets of fresh cranberries home with exactly zero recipe agenda for them. This morning's repeat haul is currently glaring at me from the dining table as if to say, Shouldn't you be getting to work on us and not talking to your friends inside your laptop again? Such nags. Until recently, I was convinced that combination of cranberries and orange had been played out almost to death, as the breakfast world has been under attack for at least a decade by stale muffins and scones made with unpleasant dried cranberries, i.e. cranberries plus sugar and oil, and a good helping of sulfites, yum, and a metallic kind of oranges vibe that were best avoided. But when I started dreaming about a seasonal variation on cinnamon buns that I would be ridiculously excited to put out at any November, December holiday brunch, lunch, party, or maybe just because it's the weekend and you like your housemates very much, I realized I desperately wanted to rescue those flavors from mediocrity. The best way to do this, in my opinion, is to work exclusively with fresh or frozen cranberries and skip the orange juice, which gets too easily lost in baked goods, in favor of its zest. However, this was the kind of recipe I knew that would take a few rounds to get right. Fresh cranberries can be tricky, they're very tart and sour, and I wasn't convinced that even a whole orange's worth of zest was going to match the intensity of the cranberries. Plus, when I went to bake them, the bottom of the pan had been puddled with juice runoff from the cranberries, a sure sign of imminent disaster. I promised a few friends I'd bring over the quote-unquote wrecked ones so I could get started on a more successful batch soon. But when they came out of the oven and I had one, I found myself hugging it closer to my body and darting my eyes around the room as if I were worried someone would take them from me, especially ridiculous as I was alone. <laughs> but my mind was racing with possibilities. Wait, do I have to share these? Would anyone know? Why did I promise these to friends? And then there's some beautiful photos of the baking process with some red on there. Please just stop what you were doing and make these now. Put them in the fridge, bake them off for breakfast tomorrow. I can assure you only good things will come of this. In the oven, the seemingly dormant orange zest threading through the dough explodes with flavor. That puddle of cranberry juice runs off jams into a gooey brown sugary cranberry caramel and winds around and through the buttery, tender, yeast-raised spirals, and the glaze, the sweet orange snowcap on this single serving of November bliss, provides just the right balance to the tartness of red sprinkles, which is why my son called the cranberry filling within. See, I shared after all. I'm a good person, 
Maybe, but I really miss them now. <laughs> they look really, really beautiful. Here's the recipe. Cranberry orange breakfast buns. Dough is adapted mostly in technique from Alton Brown. Tart cranberries muddle with just enough brown sugar that they sweeten, but are miles from toothache level sweetness. Orange zest blooms inside a buttery, tender, rich dough, and there's just enough orange icing to cap the buns, not drench them in candy. I'd called them grown-up cinnamon buns, but I saw a four-year-old inhale one and demand another, and we liked them so much I'm trying to invent excuses to make them again. This is an overnight recipe. The dough will rise for the first time when you make it, and then the second time in the fridge overnight. I thought this would be annoying, but it's actually perfect. You don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn to make the breakfast buns, and the slow rise in the fridge overnight makes for a very well-developed flavor. This is definitely my favorite cinnamon-style bun dough to date, and feel free to ditch all of your others. The yield is 12 buns, and this recipe could be halved and baked in a 9-inch round or an 8.5-inch baking pan. For the dough, you'll need 4 large egg yolks, 1 large whole egg, 1 quarter cup of granulated sugar, 6 tablespoons of butter, melted, plus additional to grease the pan, 3 quarters cup of buttermilk, zest of 1 orange, finely grated to be used in the dough and filling below. Three and three quarters cups of all-purpose flour plus more for dusting the counter. One packet of instant dry yeast. One and a quarter teaspoons of coarse, coarse or kosher salt or more to taste. And one teaspoon of oil for the bowl. For the filling, you'll need one and a half tablespoons of butter one cup of packed light brown sugar, one cup of fresh cranberries, orange zest left over from above. And for the icing, three and a half tablespoons of orange juice, two cups of powdered sugar. To make the dough, in the bottom of the bowl of a stand mixer, you're gonna whisk the yolks, whole egg, sugar, butter, buttermilk, and three quarters of the orange zest together. You're going to save the rest for the filling. Add two cups of the flour along with the yeast and salt and stir until evenly moistened. And then switch to the dough hook and add the remaining one and three quarters cups of flour and let the dough hook knead the mixture on low speed for five to seven minutes. The dough should be soft and moist but not overly sticky. You're going to scrape the dough into a large, tightly oiled bowl I usually scrape my dough briefly onto the counter and oil the mixing bowl and then scrape the dough back into it and cover it with a plastic wrap. Let the dough rise at room temperature until doubled, which will take about two and a half, two to two and a half hours. Don't have a stand mixer? You're going to stir the mixture together with a wooden spoon, then continue stirring and beating it about in a large bowl for several minutes until it comes together. Then turn the dough out into a floured counter and knead it for another five minutes. It will stick. Don't sweat it. Just scrape everything up and into the oiled bowl when it's time to let it rise. Try to resist adding extra flour when it sticks. It will only toughen the dough and that would be sad. Next you're going to prepare the filling. 
You're going to melt the butter and set it aside and in a food processor pulse the whole cranberries until they're ground to a coarse rubble but not fully pureed. You'll need to scrape the machine down once or twice and then set them aside. If you don't have a food processor you can just chop them by hand very well as if to coarsely mince them. Next, assemble the buns. Butter a 9 and a, uh, by 13 inch baking dish. A heavier ceramic or glass dish is ideal here. And then turn the risen dough out onto a floured work surface and roll it into a rectangle that is 18 inches wide, the side nearest to you, and 12 or so inches long. It's okay if it goes longer or thinner. Then you're going to brush the dough with a melted butter and sprinkle it with brown sugar, scatter the ground cranberries over it, and then the remaining orange zest. Roll the dough into a tight 18 inch long spiral and then using a sharp serrated knife, very, very gently saw into the log into one and a half inch sections. You could get 12 and then arrange the buns evenly spread out in your baking dish. Cover with plastic wrap and refrigerate overnight or up to 16 hours. And the next morning, bake the buns. You're gonna take your buns out of the fridge 30 minutes before you'd like to bake them to allow them to warm up slightly. Then heat your oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit and bake your buns until they are puffed and golden. The internal temperature should read 190 degrees Fahrenheit and this will be approximately 30 minutes. Next, you're going to transfer the pan to a cooling rack and let it cool slightly and then make the icing by whisking the orange juice and the powdered sugar together and then spread a little on each bun or drizzle it over the whole pan and serve immediately. So we have many notes. First, instant yeast is also sold as bread machine or rapid rise yeast. Next, if you don't have buttermilk, here are some alternatives, and there's a link at smittenkitchen.com. A half and half combination of everyone's favorite breakfast nightmare, milk and orange juice should also do the trick. Next, so many egg yolks. Theoretically, one you replace every two egg yolks with a whole, medium, or large egg. However, the dough will not be as rich. If you hate using up egg whites, here are some ideas, <laughs> plus one more. These days, if I'm breading or frying or crusting something, I whisk in an egg white with a teaspoon of water to use as the dip instead of a whole egg. It makes things even crunchier. You can also see zucchini parmesan crisps, granola crusted nuts, and sweet and spicy candied nuts. Prefer cream cheese frosting on your buns? Well, Alton recommends a cream cheese icing made with one quarter cup of softened cream cheese and three tablespoons of milk plus one and a half cups of powdered sugar. But you promised us apple cinnamon buns. Okay, fine, but I think you like these more. Skip the orange zest, skip the cranberries, mix the brown sugar with one tablespoon of ground cinnamon and a pinch of salt and spread this over the melted butter. Then scatter two apples peeled and diced very small over the cinnamon sugar. Note, when I made them this way, I found that one cup of brown sugar to be too sweet for me, and I would use three quarters cup next time. 
finally, see how tall and lovely these came out? Yours will be even better. I actually had to run out when I made the dough during the two-hour rise, so I stuck it in the fridge and couldn't get back to it for 24 hours, at which point it was probably more than doubled. I then did another 24-hour rise. Again, life got in the way. Instead of the max 16-hour rise recommended, the results were wonderful, but a tiny bit overproofed. To see the volume you will get when you make these according to the recipe, see the apple cinnamon bun photo. It's the third one in this post. I want to thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.